Hello and welcome to this podcast by the Journal of Nuclear Cardiology. Um, I am Fadi Haig from the University of Alabama at Birmingham uh, uh, section of cardiology and the Birmingham VA Medical Center. Yeah, hey, thanks, Fadi. This is uh, Fadi's colleague, Pradeep Bhamvani, from the Department of Radiology and Division of Molecular Imaging and Therapeutics, also from the University of Alabama uh, in Birmingham. We are bringing to you uh, uh, a brief podcast uh, where we will discuss a couple of manuscripts from the November and December issue of the journal. I'm going to start with the first one. Um, this this is actually from our group, uh, uh, that we looked at patients with chronic kidney disease. Um, and as, as you know, CKD is strongly associated with cardiovascular morbidity and mortality. In patients, especially with end-stage renal disease, sudden death becomes very common. And it's, it's uh, sudden death, sudden cardiac death is associated with one of every four deaths in this population. So this has led to significant interest in identifying prognostic markers uh, in this patient population. Multiple markers have been identified with myocardial perfusion imaging and with uh, electrocardiography, including uh, depressed left ventricular ejection fraction, left ventricular mechanical dyssynchrony on phase analysis, uh, uh, prolonged uh, QT uh, on, on EKG, are all known predictors of poor outcome in end-stage renal disease and have been established in, in, in multiple reports. So in this, uh, in this manuscript, Crossland et al., uh, look at the changes in these uh, in, in these variables before and after uh, renal transplantation to examine the effect of renal transplantation uh, uh, on these variables. And they uh, look at 32 patients with end-stage renal disease uh, with normal SPECT MPI uh, who underwent renal transplantation and then compare them to a similar size control group um, who were matched to, to uh, to, to these patients and who also had normal perfusion and who had two stress tests at least three years apart uh, while they had end-stage renal disease but did not undergo renal transplantation in between. So the investigators note that the LVEF and the QT interval, uh, the corrected QT interval, I should say, improved after renal transplantation, but the left ventricular mechanical dyssynchrony indices and the uh, width of the QRS both did not change um, uh, after renal transplantation. And so these, this suggests that left ventricular electrical and mechanical dyssynchrony, unlike left ventricular systolic dysfunction and prolonged repolarization, may be irreversible in end-stage renal disease. And so while it, while it does improve LV function, the, the dyssynchrony does not change. So this observation could be explained by an irreversible or poorly reversible LV remodeling and or fibrosis uh, and points to the need for novel therapies for these patients that address particularly fibrosis um, uh, and remodeling. That's an interesting um, observation um, to know that, um, you know, the the variable of um, left ventricular ejection fraction improves, which is probably the most important variable in terms of long-term yeah, outcomes. outcomes. And this is particularly important because LVF is known to be a predictor of bad outcomes both before transplantation and after transplantation. So, so it's important to mention that. So in, if they have poor LVEF before transplantation and they are candidates for transplantation, that may improve afterwards uh, and should not be should not prevent 
patients from undergoing transplantation. Very nice. Uh, the next manuscript um, uh, looks at, uh, again, the bane of uh, myocardial perfusion imaging, and that is uh, artifacts. Um, the audience is very familiar, I'm sure, that soft tissue attenuation artifacts uh, that either come from the the abdominal wall or the chest wall slash breast tissue are known to mimic uh, perfusion defects and thus um, potentially limit the diagnostic performance of myocardial perfusion imaging. This is most notable for uh, SPECT imaging, uh, but um, can happen with PET imaging, although uh, much less since uh, CT is... Uh, almost universally available with uh, PET imaging for attenuation correction. Now, um, the investigators from Lund, Sweden, um, they compare the localization, extent, and the depth of attenuation artifacts um, in spec myocardial perfusion imaging for a multi-pinhole, a high-sensitivity cadmium, cadmium zinc telluride camera versus a conventional gamma camera using phantom measurements, as well as uh, in 22 patients with suspected stable ischemic heart disease. Now, all the images were attenuation corrected with externally acquired low-dose CT, and uh, attenuation artifacts were quantified by comparing uh, attenuation corrected and non-attenuation corrected images. The attenuation artifacts, uh, interestingly, were noted to shift counterclockwise. So counterclockwise from the inferolateral to the lateral wall when using the CZT camera uh, compared to a conventional camera in both patients as well as the phantoms that were evaluated. They also show that the extent of attenuation artifacts was significantly larger for the CZT camera compared to the conventional camera uh, for both uh, the patient studied as well as for the phantom uh, images. Furthermore, the depth of the attenuation artifact, which they quantified as a percentage of maximum counts, was less pronounced for the CZT camera than for the conventional camera again, both for phantom measurements as well as for patients. All the data reached statistical significance. Thus, in conclusion, the authors noted that attenuation artifacts are found in different locations and to different extents and depths when using a CZT camera as opposed to a conventional sodium iodide crystal gamma camera for spec myocardial perfusion imaging. Now, this is very relevant because CZT cameras are being increasingly deployed uh, across various practices, I would say all across the world, given their much higher diagnostic performance and uh, sensitivity. Thus, uh, the, uh, the audience needs to be aware that there can be differences in the distribution and the extent of artifacts with these uh, better and new cameras. And uh, these differences should be taken into consideration um, while evaluating these images, um, which are often done without attenuation correction, you know, um, to avoid uh, misinterpretation of myocardial perfusion.
Absolutely. Very, very important study. And it's, it's important to kind of remember the basic tenet that every camera has different artifacts. And you have to be really familiar with the type of camera that you're using in order to be able to interpret the imaging. And not, not all CCT cameras produce the same artifacts. They, you know, this is a study on the multi-pinhole cameras, but there are other CCT cameras out there. And each one has different locations of artifacts. To be, nice. to be evaluated. Um, I'm going to uh, conclude by reminding you that um, in, in the journal, we often publish uh, guidelines that are relevant to our, uh, to our field. And in this uh, issue of the journal, uh, Dorbala and colleagues uh, published two uh, two-part um, expert consensus recommendation that is done, um, that is led actually by the American Society of Nuclear Cardiology and in association with multiple other societies, including the American Heart Association, the American Society of ECHO and the Society of Nuclear uh, Medicine um, that addresses the multimodality imaging in cardiac amyloidosis. And it's a very nice uh, document um, that uh, reviews uh, both the, uh, the multimodality imaging in cardiac amyloidosis and the appropriateness of, uh, of imaging um, uh, uh, in patients with this diagnosis. In addition, we have a case presentation corner uh, that in this issue discusses hybrid imaging with PET-MR uh, for the diagnosis and management of cardiac sarcoid. So you have both amyloid and sarcoid represented. Uh, so hope you enjoyed this, uh, this uh, podcast with us, and uh, we will see you next week. Thank, thanks for chiming in.